0: has a good news, bad news warning for the church today that we must now leave our spiritual dullness behind and move quickly to address what the Lord is abundantly warning. The good news is that God does not intend the soon coming birth pains to stun the church into fear, doubt, and confusion. The bad news, our spiritual sensibilities are about to be shaken to the uttermost and the praying church must arise to the occasion. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and welcome to the program today. Here's what the Lord showed Peter back in Luke 22, starting verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you'll deny me three times that you know me. Now, most of us are familiar with the story. Jesus was about to be betrayed into the hands of Jewish religious leaders, leading leading to his coming crucifixion, and Peter promised he'd go to the wall for the Lord that there wasn't anything he wouldn't do for his master. Well, Jesus told him, you'll very soon deny me. And we know that's exactly what happened after the Lord's arrest. He denied him not once, but three times. So out of that encounter, we present a good news and a bad news scenario, because that's what Jesus presented to Peter. Jesus was telling Peter, I have bad news for you. Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. The good news? (laughs) He had to ask. The bad news? I gave him permission. Now, we know there's precedence for that scenario in the story of Job, right? Where Satan asked God for permission to afflict Job. He got the okay. God said yes, but with one stipulation don't kill him. Now, that's encouraging. But Jesus then gave Peter some astounding good news. Peter, Peter, I prayed for you. Now I want you to get your head around that. The Son of God, the great intercessor, tells Peter, I've gone before my heavenly Father and I've asked the Spirit to be sure to keep your faith strong. And my friend, that's very good news. Listen to Paul's take on the intercession of Jesus in Romans chapter 8 verse 26. The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 27, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of God is, what the mind of the Spirit is. He he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Listen to me. Have you ever prayed so hard your spirit groans A deep calling into the heart of God. The psalmist says, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. Let me say it this way. I'm wasted. I'm undone. I'm speechless. I'm overcome by the immensity of the Father's love and compassion. That's what we long for. That's the direction we need to go in our prayer life. Jesus goes on, Peter, even though I've given Satan permission to sift you like wheat, and in deep intercession, I've prayed. I've prayed that your faith will not give out, even in the midst of seemingly insurmountable circumstances. Nevertheless, Peter, I still have some bad news. Let me put it in everyday language, maybe my language. Things are really going to get ugly, young man. You may feel so far out in the woods. The Spirit of God would have to mail sunlight to you. Even though you feel lost and undone, let me give you some hope, Peter. Some very good news. I'm going to fully restore you. You're going to repent of denying me and become one of the three most important disciples in my ministry. You're going to the mountaintop with me. And you're going to see my Heavenly Father validate me and my divine mission. And Pete, that'll change everything in your life. You see, the Spirit of God is telling us in this season of apprehensions and intentions and questions, the Lord's saying, when you return to me, when absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing keeps you from running into my secret place, When you insist on abiding in the presence of the Almighty, yes, when you become a man or a woman of one thing, dwelling in the presence of the Lord, to behold, to gaze, to stare into His divine beauty, nothing, absolutely nothing is going to be the same. You'll have an anointing, a divine desire, an urgency for my my kingdom like never before. Yes, you'll be broken in the flesh, and that's a good thing, and laid out before Him in total submission, that's also good. Yes, that one thing that ushers you into God's presence for the rest of your life, that one place where you can bask in His divine beauty and inquire in His temple, I assert that kind of divine rush, spiritual intensity, and euphoria is coming. Some of you, like me, have been asking the same questions over and over. Isn't there more? There's got to be something more than what I'm experiencing in my church life. I I remember first asking that question as a teenager, listening to a, a very sincere couple, trying to lead me out of sin and into righteousness. And I remember telling them, almost pleading with them, that there's more to this gospel message than what I'd been listening to for the first 19 years of my church life i had no words to explain what i what i meant by more i just knew there was a supernatural element god wanted to impart that would take his church to a much greater level of uh, divine desire that would drive his church to its knees these many years later i see how the spirit was giving me holy hints of what was to come. Honestly, it scared me to death at the time, and and I ran from those holy whispers for over the next 20 years. My friends, I want to say you don't have the next couple decades to run from what the Spirit's been telling you in those hushed tones, because a trumpet is about to be blown in Zion, sounding the alarm on the holy mountain of God that will present the coming rhythm of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I know God wants you and me to have everything that pertains to life and godliness. But I also know that will come through the knowledge of God, who's called us by His glory and virtue. There's just no other way. My brothers and sisters, we need an encounter. I'm, I'm sure we'll all agree with that. This is what the Holy Spirit has been showing me. If God will do that for you and me at perhaps our weakest, most confounding, confusing moments in life, can he not also restore a predominantly Gentile church to its, its prophetic apocalyptic mandate? A mystery, a riddle, if you will, of two great mysteries. You know, as Reggie Kelly so points out, plainly points out, mysteries that have existed between the church and synagogue and are in a mutual complementary relationship, each holding in itself the key to the other. Messiah and Israel. The elect nation counterparts in a grand mystery, a riddle that, that reaches its historical climax at the great day of God, the return of the Lord, the end of the age, an inauguration into a kingdom here on earth that will predominantly display one new man. Listen to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Folks, this is Hebrew scripture. Now, this is being said by a Hebrew prophet to a Hebrew people. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. Then, then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him who grieves for a firstborn. Revelation 1-7. Behold, he comes in the clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him... And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Verse 7 in uh, Revelation chapter 10. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Transforming Revelation births the covenant nation into the kingdom of God. Suddenly, in one day, he appears to Israel, not as a judge, but as a savior. I believe we can confidently make that statement because of the preceding final seven-year witness of the church. As Kelly says, millennial glory dawns coming to full light when Israel awakens to see its own tragic reflection in Messiah Yeshua. Meanwhile, the church and synagogue must remain at a stalemate, a 2,000-year impasse, each providing their own answers to a mystery divinely hidden throughout the ages. Yes, as Jesus assured Peter, Satan will sift you like weak. Likewise, tragic circumstances will affect both Israel and the church before the end, each coming to the revelation of the mystery of the fullness of their respective destinies in the fullness of the disclosure of God's redemptive purpose. The coming of Jesus, His departure, and, and His return to Israel provides the context for the mystery of this age— It's Israel that provides the seeing of this mystery of salvation. That's where it all began. The gospel didn't begin in New York City. It began in Jerusalem. And the end-time mandate of the church is to make it known, not only to the coveted nation, but to ultimately all the nations. You see, Jesus and Peter's brief encounter with the Lord can speak volumes for the church today. It'll be the cry of the intercessor. The very activity that's least embraced and least attended to, at least so far in the 21st century church. But that's about to change. We we must absolutely move from only praying for Aunt Nellie's ingrown toenail. You know, listen, God, God loves Aunt Nellie and he desires to heal hurting toenails everywhere. But before that mass healing of toenails... We must move to God's agenda, the Lord's big picture, the picture agenda for this rapidly imploding planet under the weight of its self-destructive sin. Listen to Hebrews 7, 25. He's also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for them. God prays for us. Remember what Jesus told Peter? I prayed for you. I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So let's pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would you grant us, according to the tender mercies of your heart, to be strengthened with might, that our faith will rise to the occasion, that we, the assembly of believers in a Jewish Messiah, that we be rooted and grounded, fully fixed and established, immovable in your love, that we will be able to comprehend and experience with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth and height of your coming kingdom, that as the days ahead will demand a sifting and a shaking from the powers of the darkness of the air, will not waver in our divine mandate to demonstrate before those powers your wisdom in bringing forth one new man amen father in jesus name and amen maranatha beloved subscribe to the program i'm bill nordstrom